Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mech Bay Podcast, your number one source for everything casual up to competitive tabletop Battletech content. Today, me and Dustin talk about that first game back for all the new players out there and how you can suck them into this addiction we tell ourselves is a hobby. Dustin, so what Battletech news has been going on this lovely, lovely June? Shrapnel 5 just dropped. You can order that. It's print on demand. It's the uh, Battletech magazine. Uh, I like seeing that it's number five because they only guaranteed the first four uh, in the Kickstarter. So this means that they're making enough. I'm guessing that this means that they're making enough on the magazines and the short stories that they they contract out. You know, these are freelance writers sending in their stories. Uh, So I guess it's making enough money and we might see more of them. They're great. Like, you know, little little bite sized stories every now and then you don't want to get into a full blown conflict or Battletech conflict or Battletech politics book. So these shorts are a great way to brush up on your, you know, in-universe stuff. For those of us with short attention spans, they really do hit the money. What about uh, model releases, Dustin? Have we had any of those? Yeah, actually quite a bit recently. The Clan Buster Black Knight uh, from, I'm forgetting the name of the outfit that's doing it. Uh, but anyways, the Clan Buster, Clan Buster, say that, I can't I can't do Clan Buster for some reason. Black Knight is out from, the, from Catalyst. Uh, it's an exclusive on their web store. Uh, It sold out in like five minutes. It's a pretty good looking sculpt. I'm not super interested in the Black Knight in general, much less the Clan Busters. These are premium miniatures, the resin, uh, by the looks of things, that that definitely looks like resin. And they're going to do variants and high definition premium models. I mean, this is $25 for a model, which is a lot for Battletech people, but maybe not so much for people who are used to miniatures in general. Uh, When they come out with something that I'm interested in, I'm not really interested. I think it's a Shadow Cat they're going to be releasing eventually. I'm not super interested in that one either. So I think we'll that see. One's a Stormcrow? Is it the Stormcrow? Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, because it's also a, a 2K Stormcrow or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe. I don't know. I haven't developed a relationship with the Stormcrow yet. I've only had it on the table like once. So, you know, it's either it's either hit or miss. Like me and the Victor were not cool until I put it on the table. And then, I mean, everybody hears me talk about the Victor every episode of this podcast. So, you know how it'd be. If you were one of the lucky ones to pre-order, quote unquote, the new Black Knight, because if I read correctly, it's sold out in like five minutes. Then they brought in like the second wave of pre-order and that sold out almost immediately too. I know that some people who are close to the Catalyst people are running this outfit. I, I'm trying to, I thought it was like creative Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Creative yeah, Juggernaut. Creative Juggernaut. And I think it even had a different name when it first announced but don't quote me on that i can't remember but you know maybe it's like i don't know i smell cronyism just a little bit but you know if they can deliver the product they can deliver so we'll see yeah i mean they do have a lot of hurdles this being like the first large plastic miniature production company stateside and thankfully they're starting out small like i appreciate that they're not over committing they're doing one mech to start seeing how that works kind of ironing out all the kinks with that and then they'll move on to the next and then we might get a two pack or smaller lands packs later on but right yeah. now i can accept pre-orders being sold out for i want to say a kind of iconic mech for the clan invasion like that's true 
Yeah. And, you know, these are real people with, you know, limited amounts of capital and stuff. So I'm sure they're, I I can only guess that they're starting out small. So yeah, we'll give them some time. Why not? Uh, The benefit of the doubt, baby. I remember watching B1B Flyer's video on the pre-production Black Knight that he got from Juggernaut, Creative Juggernaut. And, uh, you know, there were some growing pains he was talking about in there. But it seems like it's been ironed out for the most part. The you know, from what I've seen, the photos of the Black Knight, it, it looks good. I'm looking on the Creative Juggernaut website right now, and they've got the Black Knight front and center with the action shots and check out the latest stuff with the Stormcrow right next to it with an order soon, but no way to like purchase anything right now. So I definitely think they're just coming out of the gate and we've got some time before we can really see what they do this year. Are you going to pick up that Black Knight if you if it happens to be in stock? If it happens to be in stock, I will get one. If it's like a full production run, I will get two. Just, Ooh. just I know, I know. I mean, does that does, is that seven Black Knights? Is it five? <laughs> How many Black Knights do you have? You make fun of me, but <laughs> I know you. Yeah, I do have a Black Knight problem. I just think it's one of those like iconic looking mechs that if you don't really like giant robots or you don't really like mechs or Battletech's not for you, it's one of those things that kind of grabs you like, hey, that's a giant mech. It's got a sword, so it's melee is a thing. It's got a giant gun, so shooting is a thing. And it looks slightly humanoid, so you know this isn't like too crazy future. Like It's a perfect display piece in that regard. So that's a yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a... <laughs> A lot of words to get to. Yeah, that'll be a lot of Black Knights. (laughs) Uh, Clan recognition guide is up to 17. Uh, Some of the older recognition guides are clearing the moratoriums. So I'm starting to see some of those mechs on Sarna um, because I'm cheap and I'm holding out for the the bundles whenever they bundle them up. I'm curious to see if they're going to release the mechs by faction, kind of like they did the 30... 145 stuff uh which i you know talking to a newer player who's getting into battletech who's having some issues with like which mechs can i use it might be nice if they do that bundle them up and like you know do you play comstar here's your book you know do you play draconis combine here's your mechs it would be easier it would have been easier for me and that new person if i could have just been like here's the book with the mechs these are safe bets. You can get these and put them in your Capellan Confederation army. Almost like a, a faction bundle for some other miniatures games. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious to see how they're going to bundle up all the rec guides. I might We might be finding out soon. I think they promised two dozen or something like that, and we're up to yeah. 17. So we're getting there soon. So we saw a couple metal models being released, actually, too, if I correct. Yeah, three of the Ill Clan era miniatures released from Ironwind Metals. I saw them up at FortressMiniaturesAndGames.com. So I know that you can at least buy them there. The Minsk, I think it was, what was the other two? So yeah, they have the Minsk, the Warcrow Prime, and the Hero Falcon Prime. Yeah, I'm that Warcrow looks pretty cool. The Minsk looks all right, too. The Hero Falcon is for Jade Falcon people, so I don't think I'll be picking that one up. But it looks good. Yeah, the the Warcrow is probably my favorite out of the bunch. I just it almost reminds me of a Mad Cat, but more avian in that sense. Yeah, it's got the fighter jet cockpit situation going on, which those look good. They took a Mad Cat, put it in a wind tunnel, blew yeah. on it until all the things, all the hard edges smoothed out, and then they called it a Warcrow. Nothing. 
Not even a laugh. Wow. Sorry. Oh. But yeah, those are looking good. I'll probably probably be picking up a, a couple of them once I start playing some Ill Clan era games. Soon. We'll we'll get to it. I promise people. So I think that kind of wraps up the news for the last two weeks. So, Dustin, what about some hobby progress? Today's hobby progress and games played is brought to you by Aries Games and Miniatures. Get your hobby on at AriesGamesandMinis.com. So what have you been up to lately, Dustin? So hobby-wise, I panic-painted some Necrons. I know you guys love hearing me talk about Warhammer 40k hobby stuff, but I had some a group of miniatures, ten a unit of 10 dudes, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to use them. I need to put some paint on them. I slapped a base coat on... Well, I had the I had the prime in the base coat, so I put some color on there, uh, and then I didn't end up using them. It was one of the it was the first game at a local game store I've played since March, right? Yeah, yeah, twenty twenty. It's been at least a year plus. It was great. There was like people like me, nerds, talking about miniatures, and I looked at paint jobs. I, as far as you know, Warhammer goes, I've seen lots of photos of minis that I've never seen in life because I was like trapped in this dungeon that was my house all through COVID. And so that was fun to see those. Uh, and it was just fun to roll dice and like get that pickup game vibe going again. And I will be playing a similar event. You know, it's like a one of the local game stores is doing a welcome back series. And on the 30th, they are doing their Battletech one. So I'll be sure to be there uh, representing the game. And, you know, maybe scooping up some new people, seeing some old faces, yeah, rolling I'll, some dice. I'll be there, too. See what we can do. See what mechs we can bring. I don't care if we're all got, like, 20 people there, each with one mech, and we're just playing a super slow game of classic or trying out something crazy new, like with trials with random mechs and just doing swaps. Like, I, I literally don't care anymore. I just, like, I need it in my life, man. Yeah, it was it was great. It's great. You should be hyped. It just I forgot how much I liked doing these things. <laughs> forgot why we do this. Yeah. Why do I do this? Oh yeah, that's right. And you know, under the gun of the game, getting that paint on those miniatures, I'm like, man, this this is like how it used to be. I used to be like, oh crap, I gotta get this stuff painted because I want to put it on the table. And I just got so much more done. Um, with the you know the whole game to paint to paint to game engine going so that's getting started back up it's finally happening we've been saying soon for so long and it's starting to feel real it's nice yeah like i went somewhere without my mask recently and i was like this is this is the end guys like i gotta get models painted now because i can walk places Yep. Uh, how about you? What kind of hobby progress have you been doing up to? Uh, pretty much just been talking with the local gaming groups, seeing everything that they've been doing, giving the normal runaround of playing video games, been playing a lot of Stellaris, a little bit of War Thunder and World of Warships, really just trying to do some non-time intensive games, really, just things that I can do, pick up, put down. Yeah. yeah. Just trying to decompress. Trying to to, yeah, just decompress. We've both been talking with our friend Zach, who's newer to the game, but also still trying to figure out what he wants to do. So that's kind of been interesting to kind of look at how a new person looks at the game coming from he's coming from Warhammer. So he's used to buying and picking models out based on what he needs in the game rather than more what he likes to look at and how they play and what the lore is behind him. So it's kind of nice to watch him shifting gears and see why i switched over to battletech yeah and speaking of 
getting somebody new into the game. I think that kind of brings us into our subject of the night, right? Yeah. So the subject of the episode tonight is Intro Game 101, or Just Got My Battletech Learner's Permit. Hey. This episode is actually recommended to us by our patron, Chris, who asked, will you please do an episode on introducing new players to the game at a friendly local gaming store? What should I bring? What and how many mechs should I do a mission? And I just thought that was like an absolutely great topic to cover, especially with stores opening up. You got essentially bombarded when you went to the store of just people running around looking at other people's miniatures. So I know when people see Battletech being played, we've had almost we've had an entire Battletech game come out MechWarrior 5 in the last year. So there are people who have probably played that learned and loved all the mechs, looked it up online, and have never seen it on the tabletop just because, well, they haven't been to a game store since then. Yeah, so there might be some inertia coming out of the pandemic, and you kind of want to ride that wave or at least be prepared for it if it's there. Uh, so we're going to talk about you know, what we think about that, how we've, how we've approached uh, introductory games in the past, uh, what went well, maybe what didn't go so well, and just some anecdotes so, Dustin, you are essentially my battle tech. Oh, what's the term? I don't want to say father. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to keep it PG. Yeah, so. <laughs> my battle tech daddy. Uh, I, get, up, I, I can't even say it. <laughs> so my wife has told me that that is considered the big brother, like if you were in a fraternity. Oh, yeah. So if we were in some sort of a <laughs> fret, I would have been your big brother, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know we've mentioned it before in the podcast, but I, I'm... I didn't know you at the time. You didn't know me at the time. All I know is that some dude came over. He was cool. And he's like, look at you're playing Battletech. And I was like, yeah, man, we play Battletech. And you're like, you were you were you were the first person who approached me looking for that intro game. You were like, great. Let's do you want to can you I don't remember if you asked or how it went down, but you were like, let me get a game. And I was like, absolutely, because I was all about selling Battletech. I'm still all about selling Battletech. So. Yeah, that was that was great. You're ready and willing. Sometimes I feel like maybe I'm pushing people into Battletech a little bit at the local game store. I try not to be, you know, too bad about it. But I'm like, come on, man, come over here and roll some dice. We we got this I fun mean, game. You're definitely the plastic dealer in the back corner of the store <laughs> some days, but not not the worst. But yeah. no, I mean that, that is how it will happen for 99% of people. It's the person will approach you if they see Battletech on the table. Like if they don't want it, they're not going to come by. But if they know what it is or if they're interested or just like want to see what it's about, they're going to come up to you and they're going to like do the kind of like predator walk around, see if it's like do the smell test. Like, okay, this seems cool. These people seem normal. This could be a fun game. Why why are there only like, a handful of miniatures on the table. Like what's going, what's the deal with that? Right? Like everybody's coming from these, (laughs) are you playing a skirmish game? Like, well, kind of, but also not really. I mean, well, yeah, it's a skirmish game. It doesn't have to be, but for time constraints, it normally is. Right. So yeah, I, I had like off the top of my head, I can think of two, what I would call like cold Turkey introductory games. Uh, You approached me for one. I occasionally would drop a line in the local areas you know facebook's and discord places and be like hey you know i do you want to try out battletech and i i once i had somebody take me up on that and that was like the other cold turkey game i had you know where like somebody has never played battletech before or 
you know, is only vaguely familiar with the fact that it's a, a board game. The other games are kind of like, you know, people doing what you were just talking about, circling the table. And I'm like, take a seat, man, grab a, grab a record sheet. Right. So we'll talk a, a little bit about that later. I know for me, it was, we talked, like we introduced ourselves. I looked at the miniatures and I didn't drop everything and play right then. And that's, that's another thing that you have to be ready for. It's like some people are going to want you to like just drop everything and play with them. Then other people are going to be like, okay, cool. No, can I set up a time with you? Or is there a group that does this? And that's actually what I did. I think it was early and I was getting ready to go on vacation. I was like, I'll get really into this as soon as I get back. So let me exchange contact with you. You sent me to like the Facebook group for our local Battletech people. Yep. And yep. I went away thinking about Battletech. I literally went on vacation and was like, let me relearn everything about the Shadowhawk. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I remember it being a couple of weeks. Uh, something you mentioned about where I directed you to the the local like BattleTech Facebook group. That is another thing that I realized really early on. If you're if you're trying to scoop people into the game, it is really helpful to have a place for them to land, you know, on the internet. So I, if you operate out of the board game BattleTech forums, that's great. Just be ready to give that out. If you have a Discord for your local geographic area, that's also great you know, to send them a link to that. Uh, I was away from Facebook before I got into playing Battletech. And then so many people were like, I'm on Facebook that I actually had to, you know, like come crawling back to Facebook a little bit as much as I hated to do it and start that. I believe it was Kurt and I that started that local geographic. And that's really important. The whole geographic element. We all want to hang out with other Battletech people, but you need to make a corner Maybe you don't need to, but I find that it's helpful to make a corner in the internet for your local folks to hang out. There just there just needs to be like a watering hole, really. Especially yeah. where you can talk, organize games, because if there's even just three of you, you need a way to know what everyone is doing or wants to do. So no one is really left out. You want to put as much grease in that system as possible. You want the least amount of friction to getting people to the table and rolling the dice because that's what keeps the game. So it keeps it going is the people actually playing it. So yeah, that's just a, a quick tangent for what you were talking about earlier with having a place, having a place to bring people online so they can coordinate games because you're going to bring them into that first game, that introductory game, but then you want them to branch out from there and play, play games with the rest of the group, the community that you're, you're involved in locally. So once they've landed and they've kind of established themselves as interested in the hobby and they're talking with you, they're talking with other people in the quote unquote group, the big thing is going to be, do you play classic? Do you play Alpha Strike? Or do you just do something else like the RPG or something like a chaos campaign? I would say that depends on what you know and what they seem most interested in. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, if you don't know Alpha Strike, don't try to teach them Alpha Strike and vice versa. If that's something they're interested in, let them teach them the basics of what you know, and they will actually go out and try to learn what they want. Like Once you establish that foundation, you can send them off into the world and they will most likely learn what they need to. I've got like three Alpha Strike games under my belt, so I'm definitely not going to play the intro game in the Alpha Strike engine i'm going to use classic because that's what i'm most familiar with uh i would say it i mean it certainly helps if you got the rules on lockdown um if you're hosting an introductory game referencing the rule book a ton kind of bogs down a game and for the i don't know 
for the first game, right? You want it to be kind of easy, squeezy, lemon peasy. Yeah, you don't want to introduce anything super crazy. Just kind of break them in gently and you'll see where they want to go from there. Yeah, and when it comes to that, uh, you know, with the, the the couple of cold turkey games I've hosted um, and a couple of walk-up games, uh, if you do have time to plan it out and you're in a situation where you're planning the introductory game ahead of time, I would yeah, definitely keep it simple, you know, 3025 stuff. I've given my opponent some battle value in the past. You know, it definitely helps if you're not seal clubbing the person that just is trying to learn the game with you. Like, you don't want to crush their face in. Yeah, I've, I've definitely made that mistake before, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this mech's pretty equivalent to this mech. And I realized there's like a couple hundred BV difference. And I was like, oh, yeah, this one's faster. Got more armor, more heat sinks. I can see where this went really badly. Yeah, another thing that I... I think helps. I'm pretty sure I've done in the past is uh, running the pilots is three, four in the, I like, you know, four or five pilots. I like three, four pilots. It gives you that room to play the tactical side of the game. But when it comes to an introductory game, you want hits and you want explosions. You want to, you know, you want to roll out the, the red carpet of what makes Battletech fun and landing hits is more fun than not landing hits. So I would even in the future, maybe, toy with dropping the, those pilots to you know gunnery two piloting three i know i played a introductory game that denim was hosting um and i was not a new player but nonetheless i showed up because i he was a person playing BattleTech in my area so i went to the game just so desperate you didn't care no yeah, absolutely man, I've not i've never played BattleTech before now let, let's roll up what you got <laughs> yeah and i think he had um a two three pilot in there so I would, and if I was running with the, you know, gunnery two pilots, I would definitely give the opponent, the new player, extra battle value because things are going to land fast. And I don't, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want them to leave the game with the feels bad kind of feeling. And there are plenty of people who don't mind losing. Um, and then I don't know anybody who hates winning. So, you know, why not? Yeah, and we're not saying let them win. Like, right. But definitely you have to recognize that you are probably the more skilled player in that event. Even with one or two games showing I mean, someone how to play, you're going to know just a little bit more intricacies of how things work. Yeah, so, I think we we forget how much prior knowledge we bring to the table. And it's hard to put yourself into the head or into the, you know, the headspace of somebody who's literally never played this game system before. So, uh, you know, you're, you're giving yourself a handicap, which is, that's good. Tie that one, tie that one mech arm behind your back and yeah. pull a couple of those punches that could just leave a bunch of feel bads. Yeah. I've, it, I've heard a couple of people say if they don't like how that game turned out, then they're not meant for this game. And I was that just kind of like that's that's the worst view you can bring showing someone new so make sure that they have a good enjoyable time should be your priority yeah and you you also want you don't want everything to be over so fast and so decisive that none of the exciting and fun things like you know uh you know digging a pilot out of the uh the cockpit you know those are fun things or maybe getting that through armor crit you want those things to happen because you don't want to hide those mechanics because they're a big part of Battletech. You know, that random, that fog of war and that randomness is built into the game. So you don't, yeah, you don't want to give them a, fal a false pretense of what the game actually is. So 
everyone remembers their first game where they just took a uh, PPC to the face, got the crit through, and it was all over from there. Like One structure damage, you roll the crit, you get a crit, you roll three, and there's the cockpit. And you're like, well, <laughs> there's the mech. Uh, everyone remembers that. That's memorable. It's It's so spike random that it's almost fun in that regard as long as you just say cool you want to just re-rack and restart that or do you want to do something you can play with it from there and just like yeah. cool here's that third mech that just came onto the field yeah or you can say this is what would have happened but you know this is our first game so we're just going to pretend that that didn't happen especially if it's their mech <laughs> that just yeah. got exploded um if it's your mech sure Roll with the punches, right? Why not? Now it's a challenge. Can you can you win against a new person <laughs> with w- one mech? So another big question that comes up is, do you do a mission or do you do just a free-for-all, a brawl, or something like Stellaris, Solaris style? Dustin, what's your go-to? So my go-to pre-pandemic, uh, and I haven't done any introductory games since then, uh, was just a meeting engagement. And what I mean by a meeting engagement was like, uh, this is the first time that two forces are seeing each other, so they're not going to commit to you know a protracted battle, uh, i.e. I kind of play with forced withdrawal, maybe especially on my side. You don't want to introduce you don't want to introduce those rules to somebody uh, on your first game. Yeah, uh, but you don't just, don't even bring up forced withdrawal on game, on day zero. Right. Um, but I but introducing the spirit of forced withdrawal on and I'm speaking from the perspective of the person hosting the first game. So I I I remember I remember vaguely in our game in the intro game I ran with you. One of my mechs took like a hip crit or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I I started backing him off the table if I remember correctly. Yeah. So I don't remember if he was technically in forced withdrawal or not, but you know, I I you did the, bring up forced withdrawal and I was very confused as like a new player. I was like forced withdrawal, what's that? Where is it on that? this flip sheet like <laughs> bro i have so many charts to introduce you to this is just this is the beginning level charts and then we got charts on charts and charts right i nah. mean you joke but you showed me that and i was like can i take a picture of this <laughs> cheat sheet that you have so low and i low did i know low did you know and i have extras of that cheat sheet these days and i would gladly hand them out yeah, even the nice plastic, or not plastic, even the nice cardboard one that's kind of thick. I think I got two or three of them kicking around. But yeah, I I, I get myself in the headspace of that, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag it out. I'm gonna, you know, that also keeps the game somewhat brief. You don't want to have you don't want to lock your new opponent into a four hour engagement. I know that when we're learning the rules, it can take that long to play a game, but. But that's also why we talked about lowering the gunnery skill, just because the more you hit, the more damage you're going to do, and your damage per turn is going to go up drastically. Yeah, and if you're playing introductory tech, which we typically are, because that's the least amount of you know complex complexity with the equipment in the mechs, that's like one of the most survivable eras, less the ammo explosions of battle tech, so... You know, you, you got to balance those things. You don't want to give somebody an unrealistic ex- expectation of what Battletech, classic Battletech is. You don't want to make it a 30-minute intro game. But, you know, maybe two hours, right? Yeah. Which we can get a game of classic done in two hours if we're focused. That's the key, the focus. But if you're doing an introductory game, you're not going to be hardcore playing only focused on the dice. You're going to be having a conversation. You're going to be finding out what this person likes, what they do what other games they play. 
you're trying to just build that kind of casual relationship that that rapport yeah so you can enjoy the game and they can enjoy the game yeah as far as missions go i've you know i've dabbled in some missions now i'm trying to write up some missions uh i would have to think about it uh it might be nice to write up a mission for an introductory game some sort of objective base something that keeps the game you know continues to keep it smooth punctual and you know feeling good for the person you're introducing without something that's specifically designed for new people i would almost say just do a straight up brawl let them kind of learn how their mechs work on the field with no purpose other than just kill the other two guys mechs or the other person's mechs just because it's you don't want them focusing on something else when they're just then learning their mechs names their mech sheets like we all know that you, Dustin, get confused on <laughs> which mech is which. Right. So so don't don't overwhelm them. Like a mission is great. Like it's a great way to change up your everyday game. But if if they're just being introduced to the regular game, I consider that a whole nother level for another day. Yeah, you want to introduce that when the pickup games and the meeting engagements get kind of stale. I would I would theory craft that, you know, without playtesting that it might be yeah, it might be best to just do the meeting engagement. What about mechs? Do you have any particular favorites and how many would you bring? So oftentimes, I think it has happened more frequently than not where somebody's hovering, they're doing the hover, and I will actively foist a mech upon that person. So sometimes you don't really have a choice, but in that case, I would try to pick you know, a heavy, something fun that's got guns, uh, that's got armor, they can make mistakes in it, and still have fun with that mech chassis. Uh, so in that situation where I'm handing off and I've, I've done this before, you know, I pulled that person in, I'm like, come on, come on, let's, let's go. I'll tell you what the role, you know, you, got, you can just give them hit to hit numbers and kind of explain what's going on in a vague sense. And I mean, I've had somebody go and pick up the game of armored combat box in the store after rolling some dice for, you know, they're done with their other game for the night. They come over to see what's going on. Just hand them the dice. So yeah, uh, when you're talking about mechs and how many, if you're not doing that, if you're pre-planning the game, I think I've done two mechs per side on both of those cold turkey games that I've been talking about. I'm trying to remember the other game. The other game, intro game I did, didn't go super well. I know they had a Thunderbolt and their dice were just kind of cold that evening and they just weren't having a good time. And they kind of walked away from the game, which is... You know, there's only so much you can do in that kind of a situation. You know, they didn't realize that they had, they could be using three medium lasers on that Thunderbolt instead of one medium laser. So, you know, they rolled a couple turns where they just, their large laser, their LRM-15 and their medium laser. And in that respect, maybe a Thunderbolt was a little too complicated. Maybe a mech with only two range brackets, like in, or one range, like the, or one range bracket, like the enforcer I gave you. You know, it's got two different guns, but they're both 5, 10, 15. So yeah, maybe less mechs and maybe simpler mechs. I know everybody says that the Shadowhawk is a great mech for introducing somebody to the game, but maybe it's great for the second game. I, I would agree with that statement. Like, I, If you had given me a Shadowhawk for game zero, game one, I would have probably been underwhelmed. Like, oh, is this is this what these 100-ton war machines do on the tabletop? Well... That's not super fun. Yeah, I gave you a Centurion. And what did you say the other mech was? It was a Centurion and Enforcer. A Centurion and Enforcer. I maybe should have given 
you to I, I I took two mechs that were five eights, and I don't know if I like I probably didn't just run circles around you because that's like kind of rude. I'm not gonna. I do want to <laughs> demonstrate flanking because that is a part of BattleTech. Is there are different firing arcs, there are different receiving fire arcs. So that is a mechanic of the game that you do want to demonstrate. But I think keeping, you know, if you're going to give somebody a 5.8, maybe you give them two 5.8s. If you're going to give them a 4.6, maybe you give them two 4.6. Max, uh, I didn't give you anything with jump jets. You know, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about the two Max I picked for you? I think they were great first game mech like they weren't too different like one of them has an ac10 the other one has an ac10 this one has you know a large laser this one has medium lasers like there wasn't so much that my brain had to completely switch gears but going between the two it did give it me a couple seconds of all right which mech is which mech because while i know which one's which from from mech warrior online on the tabletop they just look different so i'm not as used to recognizing them visually yeah and doing an intro game these days might be a little different with the arguably better sculpts i mean i had the old school centurion and that old school uh, enforcer and you know they're not the best looking mechs uh and they're maybe less visually distinct maybe more i guess that's arguable but i know the second game i did i used the game of armored at that point our, our intro game was pre-game of armored combat the second cold turkey game I ran was post game of armored combat and beginner box. I haven't really run an introductory game since that one with the new boxes, but using uh, the new miniatures is of course a priority because they look better. Um, That's another thing we haven't touched on yet is use attractive mechs, paint (laughs) them. I know you can play battle tech with, Literally, you know, just like coins and a, a, a but don't do that to new people. <laughs> you know, it, if it's pretty, they're going to be more interested in it, right? I mean, I don't know if anybody's going to disagree with that. No, I mean, you actually took a couple of mechs and actually painted them up red and blue just so they would be extremely visually distinct when you brought them out for intro games. Yeah, I have my Wolverine from the the starter box painted in Legion of Vega colors and i have my i think it's the griffin painted in lion guards so yeah got blue gold versus red gray so you know very red versus blue yeah and i think that's just great just easy oh you're piloting the red mech and then like you can go into the backstory of why it's this color and what it's done and what how they would play that mech in lore so another interesting thing that i have thought about is doing the introductory style um, sheets, you know, in the, in the beginner box, you get these nice cards and they're basically a record sheet, except you fold it in half, right? You get rid of all the structure, you get rid of the heat, you get rid of the ammunition and all the facings. There's only everything's front arc, but in my experience, nobody has wanted to do that. I'm like, you know, when I offer that game, I'm like, well, there's this watered down version you can play, or we could just do the big boy version and, you know, maybe other people have different experiences, but, you know, all the people I've reached out to, and this is including some stuff during the pandemic, where you're like, when we get back to that game, what do you want to do? And everybody's like, nah, just give me, give me the, give me the big boy version, right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely got into it knowing that you got into structure and that's when bad things happen. That was what I was most interested in. Like, okay, 
I want to shoot. I want to blow off your armor. I want to literally take your mech down piece by piece. Don't, please do not remove that part of the game, which is what I'm here for. Just so you, you have to have that conversation and see what are they kind of coming into the game for? Like, are they just there for the giant stompy robots? That's fine. Just give them giant stompy robots and they'll find their way from there. But if you're coming in wanting, no, no, I want to knock out life support systems and fall down into water and see what happens, fail my PSRs. Like if I'm interested in that and don't give me zero, zero pilot with no structure because I'm, I'm not going to enjoy it the same. The only situation I can think of, right, because I feel like that version of Classic is this weird in-between of Alpha Strike and Classic Battletech. But if somebody approached me and they're like, this looks fun, but it's a lot of rules up front, which is true, then maybe at that point I'll be like, all right, let's fold these record sheets in half. And then maybe you just prep them like, hey we're taking out like half of the fun things that can happen in this game. And it's just going to be like, you know, if you lose that section, it's just gone. But in the interest of, you know, maybe that person really wants to learn their, their rules as they go. And they don't want to, I don't know, for lack of a better term, they don't want to trust you to, or not, it's not a lack of trust, but maybe they just really want to have the rules under control before they move forward. Maybe in that situation, I could see, you know, folding, removing half of the mech sheet or the record sheet, but I haven't done, I've only done, you know, a handful of intro games. So I don't have like a volume of evidence to work with. Right. I don't think anyone has a volume of evidence for Battletech. Right. It's Battletech. <laughs> but uh, I, I would just say, just have that conversation at the start. Like we can play with structure and here's all the benefits of doing that. Or we can not play with structure and here's the other benefits of that. So give, show them both sides. Like, do the Morpheus, like on in one hand, you know, it's structure and all all the beautiful things that come with it. Or we just play with armor and you wake up. <laughs> or you take the blue pill. <laughs> exactly. So just, just present that, they will decide and run it however way they want. Yeah. And let them know that there's a lot of fluff, but don't just like slap them in the face with a big wet fish of like just the insane 36 years roughly of Battletech universe right do, do not grab their head and vomit down their mouth everything <laughs> that you know about Battletech lore like right now in that moment it's probably still like 60 percent board game to them yeah just just let them have that let them enjoy the ignorance because for that short moment it is blissful and they'll never get it back yep uh let them know that it's there like hey if you love fluff if you love units if you love all that's stuff it's there if you don't you can ignore it like really you can ignore it in this game that's one of the you know it's it's an advantage without the disadvantage Uh, you can really get into the weeds with the fluff and you can also just ignore it and call it salvage no big deal but yeah there's it's a feudal setting there's houses pick the colors you think are cool you can read a lot of books if you want to and just leave it at that if this was a planned game you technically got your Battletech primer in the introductory set. And if they're not interested yet, you can like let them flip through that after while you go to the bathroom or get like a snack or something like that's like a three minute read. I'm pretty sure they can handle it. So yeah. And then if they have questions, you can answer that. And some people are going to be more interested in the lore. So you've hooked them in that way to wrap up the learner's permit of Battletech. 
first off, have that conversation, see if they need that push right then and there, or if you can meet up and kind of give that personalized experience and plan out a proper introductory game. Talk about whether they want classic or alpha strike or a campaign or an RPG. Definitely introduce them to your local gaming group, like your group of friends, if they seem interested and seem like normal, cool people that you'd like to play again. When they do come to play, decide if you want to do like a very simple mission or just want to kind of show them the ropes with a good old 3025 brawl. If they want to do something a little bit more advanced, like if they're only interested in clan, do like a clan trial of position, something simple but fun like that. For the number of mechs, gauge how comfortable they are. 1v1 is fun, but I think me and Dustin both agree that a 2v2 is much more balanced in game terms. You're only running 50% of what you would normally for most games. It still can show off the tactics, and they're going to get a better view of managing multiple mechs. And for those and for those first mechs, the introductory set and the starter sets honestly are kind of the best options to go through. Like most of the mechs in there are fairly balanced for bracket ranges, heat. Like there's nothing too crazy. Like I wouldn't give a new person a black knight just because they would cook themselves on turn two and just straight up not have a good time. What about you, Dustin? Any any takeaways from this? No, I think that, that sums it up pretty well. Remember Don't the, forget to be nice. Yeah, that's rule number one is be nice, have fun, and just make sure they have a good time. Because they might not get in that day, but they might get in later when they've got an opportunity or see you playing that day and they're bored of whatever they are playing. All right, Dustin. So for this week, we have a Lance in review. Dun, dun, dun. This week, we're reviewing a Lance from Rex Rawhide. What is Rex bringing to the table this week? So we have an Orion... M. It has an XL engine, maintains the speed, so it's still a 4.6. It upgrades that 15, LRM 15 to a 20. That LB10, or that AC10 is upgraded to an LB10. And oddly enough, it has a NARC missile rack added to the center torso. Maintains the medium lasers and the SRMs. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be a little squishier with the XL engine, but it can NARC people, question mark? This is an interesting chassis. I would really have to put it on the table and see. I love that LB10 upgrade. Who doesn't love a good LB10 upgrade? Oh, I think it's also running double heat sinks, which is a, I mean, why not put double heat sinks in there, right? So that makes almost like just a straight pure upgrade from the original Orion, just for a little little less armor. And a narc launcher. And a narc launcher, which we, we all go back to the mech bay and ask our techs to put in a narc launcher. <laughs> You'll have to let us know how that one works, Rex. Uh, we have a Hunchback 5M. Uh, this has less ammo. So less ammo for an AC-20 is tough. You pay for ammunition in battle value. Uh, so yeah, you have less shots to take, but if you're more judicious with those shots, uh, you can land them and pay less battle value for them. So it's kind of six of one, half a dozen the other. I know a player in our player group that definitely prefers less ammunition for their AC-20 and just using it more judiciously. Uh, it's upgrading those heat seats to doubles. That small laser is going to a small pulse laser. I would call this one an upgrade, maybe a side grade, but mostly an upgrade. What do you think? It's a gentle upgrade for me. I mean, the AC-20 is still there. It's got less ammo, like you said, but the heat lets you have more fun with what you're doing, essentially. Yeah. 
We have a Wolverine 7M, which is kind of a totally new chassis. Uh, it's maintaining that speed, but it has mask, so it's it's fast. It's got two ER larges um, and some auxiliary weapons and an XL engine. Once again, that XL is going to make the you know the platform a little squishier. Uh, two ER larges. That's interesting. I mean, that's a good primary weapons you know bracket. They're both in the same arm, which is it's a little risk reward because you can, if somebody's directly behind you, you can do that torso twist and then you can shoot them with both of the ER larges, which is nice. Uh, but if you lose that arm, then they're gone. Uh, I like this. This is another model I would like to see on the table. I would have to put it in a game and see how it does before I really formed a more solid opinion on it. But it, it looks good on paper. What do you think? I think I've ran this variant once and I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the two heavy weapons in the single package, essentially. Two ER larges is very nice, especially coming from the single large laser or the single AC5 of the IntroTech variant. So it's it's a complete upgrade in that regard. The mask essentially solves the one problem I had with the original Wolverine, which was it was it was fast, quote unquote, but it wasn't it wasn't a fast, fast like skirmisher or cavalry mech. And the mask really kind of ups it to that level. You do pay for mask and BV if you can generate that uh, higher to hit number, but then you have mask and you can go fast. So it's nice. Uh, and then we have a Vulcan 5M. It's got a large pulse laser, medium pulse laser, double heat sinks, uh, still nukes infantry. I think it's got, you know, machine gun and flamer. Uh, this is just an upgrade. This turns kind of a turd into less. I mean, a large pulse laser and uh, the medium pulse laser, nothing to sneeze at, especially at the, I think it's a 40 tonner, right? Yeah, th- this is a Vulcan I would actually be scared of in a, in a regular game. Yeah, and it's, it's flexible. If you're playing combined arms, having those machine guns and those flamers really pay in dividends. Yeah, this is a, this is a great upgrade. Uh, so taking a step back and looking at the Lance overall, what are your What's your quick take, your hot take? This is a get in there, get it done fast kind of lance. Like your armor, you don't have like a crazy amount of armor, but the weapons you have there are in the, this is a front loaded lance in my opinion. Yeah, you would have to, I think this is a a lance for somebody who maybe knows what they're doing a little bit better, uh, <laughs> who can make less of those mistakes that gets you... I mean, you got to be careful with your XL engine mechs. Uh, I know the Orion has plenty of armor. The Wolverine's also a brawler. Um, they got good back armor, but you still got to... You got to be careful. Um, so if you use it well, I, I think this this Lance will do well. Um, I think this Lance would punish somebody for making more mistakes more frequently, uh, which doesn't make it a bad Lance. It's just kind of my observation right you heard it here first rex dustin's saying that you're a a pro gamer (laughs) that's right uh i like the you know you got two slower mechs you've got a skirmisher with the ability to go extra fast and the vulcan is pretty fast like i said i i think this is an all gas lance and i think the only real counter for this it would be a lance that's kind of set up for more attrition so a lot of armor and the weapons are kind of on the weaker side. Like rather than having two ER larges on a Wolverine, something that has like one ER large and double the armor would kind of be a hard counter to that, in my opinion. 
I mean, I think we're, I think we, what you said was kind of your final note on it, right? The attrition part. Yeah. The only things I could counter this with are things with a lot of armor, like a charger actually is something I would think about taking something that's going to get in there and you have to blow off all of its armor before it rips through yours. And it's, it's going to come down to good dice rolls on that. Uh, So this Lance comes in at 4,954 battle value and I'd love to play it on the table one day. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely saving this one for fun, fast, and all the gas. Yeah, I like it. It's also it's got a ton of chassis that I've I've I don't think I've put any of these on the table. I would love to try it out. I I literally can't say the last time I saw a Vulcan in actual classic BattleTech in games. Yes, in RPGs. Yes, but no one's no one's brought one that I've seen to to the actual table, and I will have to give the five M. It's stay in the sun. If you haven't sent us your custom Intersphere pre-clan invasion mechs, do that now so we can take a look and pick our favorite ones to talk about in the next episode. No BV limit, no tonnage limit. Just remember, have fun with it. And remember, everyone, through salvage, all things are possible. If you liked today's episode and you want to hear more of us, you can find us on Facebook at the Mech Bay Podcast. You can also, if you have any questions, you can also reach us at the Mech Bay Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to talk with us on a mech-to-mech basis, you can reach us on our Discord, where you can find our invite to that on our Facebook page.